Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Barely Bookish Podcast. As I mentioned last week, I was going to have to cut the episode short, so we're going to just like jump right into the action and get right back to it. Then we get to see Joe Crane, who is the only person who dies of a natural death um, this night, which is fun. Uh, then we get to see... Uh, then we're on to... Uh, Father Callahan and Mark's parents. Mark's dad does not believe Father Callahan at all. He basically accuses him of like being a drunk and being like, yeah, no, you, I don't know if you're messed up in the head, but you're a murderer. Um, You're wanting all your other murderer buddies to come here, convince me that you guys aren't murderers, you're murderers. Which only rational person that we've seen that's not like fully willing to believe in vampires. So that's fun. Um, He's just an ass. Like well, at this point, he, he he is such an ass, but he's looking at everything from a logical point of view. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, this dude just needs to get slap upside the head. And it's like, oh, wait. <laughs> it's like, I can't blame him. I feel like if someone showed up I had never met before with my child who didn't come home from school that day, I would also be like, okay, you're trying to convince me vampires exist? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, get out of my house, buddy. Like, but also too i think like he's just kind of one of those people that it's like well what do you have to explain for what's happening with the whole town yeah you know first, first the boys go missing and now people are winding up sick some of them have just completely disappeared no one knows where they are the mm-hmm. ones that go to the morgue they're gone and yeah. people are spinning facts of oh there's satanists around and mm-hmm. um you know there, there's someone stealing all these bodies and everything and there's so many of these things that it's like you gotta raise an eyebrow of what what town did I move into? Yeah. And it just kind of feels like he's in his own little world of logic of like I don't want to believe you know, I see no mm-hmm. evil, hear no evil speak, none of it. And it's like yeah. you know, I don't know. I think to me if I work there and I'm kind of seeing some of the signs, if not all of them, and it's like there's something sketchy. It's like you say vampires? It's like but I would I would still be hesitant, but at the same time, it's like I need to sit there and know all the facts. What the fuck is going on here? You know, yeah. Like, why like, is okay, the population decreasing? Yeah, yeah, you know that, that's what it feels like. Everyone's on vacation, yeah. but usually on vacation you see those people, or you have some knowledge of such and such. And no, your family, my family. Okay, we're going on vacation for a month, and we'll like call people. Before oh, we come yeah. back and see what's happening, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. It just goes so, to show you even having a logical mind can be, you know, blinding as well. So Yeah. Oh, definitely. So then the phone gets cut, the lights go out, Barlow knocks a window open, swoops in, he's like, Hey y'all, the name's Barlow. Uh, what's up, fam? I'm here. Your <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Steal your family. <laughs> and he looks at Ben, Mr. Steal your girl. Um, you know. <laughs> and so, a little too soon for Susan right there. <laughs> so he straight up smacks Mark's parents' heads into each other, instantly kills them. Um, Mark, obviously distraught because this kid's like 10. Uh just watched his parents die yeah barlow tries to hold him hostage and then like says to father callahan he's like hey if you try and use any sort of religious stuff on me i will kill this child so mark uh father callahan's like like okay let's just me you have a fight my faith between yours yeah yeah, Barlow's like, throw your cross away, and sure, fine. So, you know, releases Mark. Mark spits on him. Solid move. Love that. And then Father Callahan's like, all right, you need to get out of here, kid. Run. Go tell them what's happening. Get out of here. So he tries to, like, hold uh, Barlow off for a minute, but he doesn't throw the cross away immediately and then, like, promptly loses faith. And then the cross stops working. Yeah. And yeah. Barlow's like, LOL. Nice. And then <laughs> uh, forces Father Callahan to drink his blood and yeah. then breaks a cross right in front of him. And I was like, yo, what? What? 
Uh-huh. He put too much uh, of his faith in the cross instead of in his faith. Yeah. Yeah. Which he was already struggling with that to begin with throughout this whole mm-hmm. book. It's yeah. Almost yeah. Like a little, it's like a little piece of the exorcist. It's a man struggling with his own faith. Mm-hmm. And we got to sit there and see what happens. And if you guys read The Dark Tower, you get to learn more about this guy. So I've been Amazing. waiting for this moment to crack that nut for you guys, you know, to, you know, be like, there's more. There's a lot more. And yeah. Absolutely insane. I was like, so he's not really a vampire, but he's been marked by a vampire. So no other yes. vampire can change him except Barlow, apparently. There, there is, it's not really a spoiler, but from what I'm reading mm-hmm. is that there are like three tiers of vampire. So Barlow is like tier three. He's the big bad you don't fuck with. The mm-hmm. tier twos are kind of like the ones of which what the town is being turned into. They're the mindless mm-hmm. ones that feed. And mm-hmm. then tier one are kind of like they're kind of like your normies. They're almost like they're they're kind of like past familiar level, mm-hmm. but they 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 can still sit there and feed off of you, but they're almost like mindless zombies. They have no um they only have like a like a what is it? Like a like a hyper focus like oh i'm only gonna do this and if Mm -hmm. something is gonna screw with that i'm not gonna pay attention to it because i'm going straight after what i want yeah everything so the book explains that and Mm -hmm. um you know callahan kind of makes note of this of because he constantly refers to barlow and he he becomes an alcoholic and no matter how much alcohol he drinks he can still taste barlow's blood so This is spanning decades mm-hmm. after, or like just years after, and he's like, I can still taste it, and every, and no matter what level gross. of alcohol that I drink, mm-hmm. you know, or what I do to my own body, I still wake up and I still taste Barlow's blood. So it's like he's what? been marked, and all other vampires know of him, but they also mm-hmm. know not to touch him because mm-hmm. he's been marked for a reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. You got to read the rest of the book to sit there and know the rest, folks. But it's a good read. It's a good read. But yeah, then we get to see Anne Norton. She's making her way to the hospital. She's got a gun. I thought she was a vampire, but I don't think she's actually a vampire. I think she was like about to be turned. Like she's on that point where she's like hypnotized by him, but I don't think she's a vampire yet. So even though in my notes it says that she is, I don't think she actually is. So um, Barlow told her that uh, ben killed Susan, and her plan was to go shoot them in the hospital and, like, stick up, basically, the whole hospital. Not really a plan, but, you know, whatever. But Mark, luckily, happens to see her with a gun in the um, the parking lot. So he tells someone else that was coming to the hospital as well, being like, hey, there's a lady with a gun entering the hospital so they're able to like disarm her and then she enters the elevator and dies so there's that but mark gets to everybody else okay and it's like hey father callahan don't think he made it out he's just like okay so then we get to see father callahan again he's like walking around town like a drunk man barely moving, trying to get to the bus station, trying to get out of town. Which, at least like he's got enough semblance to figure out that he needs to get out of town, but yeah. he is like not thinking rationally at all. He Oh, he does go to the church first, though. Church absolutely rejects him. Like which, the church itself rejects yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. It like blew him up to get him away. Yeah. Which was interesting. It full on like singed the door handle. Yeah. And they notice it later. They're like, what happened here? Yeah. I do think that's some Old Testament BS though. Like Old Testament God is very unforgiving. Yeah. Like, if you ever read the Old Testament, it's like, oh, you got marked by a vampire. Seems like a you fall problem. You Your faith <laughs> wavered for me like for 30 yeah. seconds. If that, you problem. Don't yeah. come back. <laughs> 
So Yeah, that's very Old Testament, because New Testament mm-hmm. is, here, let me send you a person to die so you can be forgiven forever. Forever. And keep being forgiven forever. But, like, apparently we got Old Testament John in charge now, <laughs> and he's like, no, you try and enter my church and I will blow you up. Get smited. <laughs> so, um... Everybody else that's still alive decides to make a plan to stake everyone in the town the next day. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to go well. This seems like it's going to go well. Um, so they asked Mark, they're like, hey, what did you see? Like anything that's going to help us at all. And Mark says that he saw that there was blue chalk on Barlow and because obviously they're trying to figure out where he sleeps during the day because it's not at the Marston house. So everyone's thinking maybe school something, mm. possibly. This was um, a great mystery because even I was yeah. trying to figure it out. Cause Yeah. So I had like figured it out, but I couldn't think of what it was called. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, no, you're going to the wrong place. I'm like, it's not a school. It's not a school could not for the life of me connect like what exactly it was but i knew like the school was wrong they were not going to the right place yeah yeah and i'm like oh my god what is it because i feel like school boards would not pay for a blue chalk you know because the the large pack is always white yeah yeah so it's, it's not like, like today where you can get pink, yellow, white, blue, and all these mm-hmm. all these other little colors, but yeah. Yeah. And now we mostly have whiteboards. Chalk mm-hmm. is like sidewalk chalk now. Yeah. It's yeah. for more for playing than anything. Yeah. Or uh trivia night at like whatever local little bar that you go to. Yeah. Is there guys this trivia night uses chalk? There's some places, there's some that they use the, uh, the, the, uh, erasable marker and board. There's some place that use that. And also to Starbucks, any freaking coffee place, bam, they're those, those are the people that use the chalk on the outside and they yeah. do a little cute doodle. Those are usually the only places now that you'll see with chalk. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or those awesome YouTube videos of the guys that do the perspective drawing with chalk and yeah, people think they're cool. going to fall. That would be yeah. me. I'd be like, I'm like, no. We have those, um, we have like a art festival a couple towns mm-hmm. away from us and they do the sidewalk chalk and like come in and just get it all done. I like, feel bad walking all over that. Like, but they have it roped off. Oh, they have like okay, a okay, place okay. where you can stand and take the photo. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's really is. cool. I'll send you guys pictures next time it happens. Yeah. Um... But anyways, Matt looking really rough. They're basically like, hey, if this keeps going on, Matt is not going to make it. Like his heart is not going to be able to handle the stress. I read that and I was like, and he is dead from a heart attack. Yeah, I know. I'm I was like, like That's yeah. Given. It's, it's, it's the saddest thing, but like you just kind of wonder in the book. It's like there's so many pages. How long does Matt have left? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like, is is he just going to go out on his own or is another one of Barlow's influences going to finally get it? Because you, you can't protect them forever. And as yeah. much as they get scattered and thrown apart of, well, we need to go here. Well, we need to go here. Mm-hmm. Matt can't move. And there's only so much that the hospital security will actually, you know, provide. Yeah. For sure. Uh, then we see Father Callahan buying a bus ticket to New York City. Solid vibe. Um, but then, because of the bus, we get to see that like terrible bus driver that kicks kids off schools. Like, oh the my school god, bus. this was the perfect revenge. Yeah, ever. all the kid vampires lure him outside and then like go after him, which I honestly was not upset about. I was like deserved because he's like putting these children like at so much risk, making them walk miles upon miles home to their houses. I'm like, anything could happen to these kids. Like, what if they don't yeah. know how to get home? Yeah. Like my, my whole thing is is what prompt him to do that? Like Obviously, that ha- that has to be some type of 
of trauma that he grew up with and he's dishing it back out on these kids it's like but i don't know if they had school bus well no pretty sure they had school buses back then like you know uh who knows but but i feel like if they would have told his backstories and made us sympathize and we would have felt bad if he got killed but i'm glad they didn't because this guy was just an asshole yeah yeah Um, and it reminds me of the movie trick or treat with the little small segment where the bus driver is driving off the cliff like he was able to escape but Mm -hmm. it had like um the school bus full of special needs students that the parents paid him to get rid of them because i guess the kids were just too much for the parents it's the shittiest fucking way to ever not want to sit there and take care of your kids but in this one story that constantly gets looped around throughout the whole thing these kids get their revenge later on because they're like you know trick-or-treat and they're all undead and they're coming after the bus driver that drove them off a cliff and took their lives and and it's like yeah that guy deserved to die that guy deserved every last bit of his punishment and you know their parents too well, they're probably dead because that event happened years ago. So they're probably all dead. <laughs> Hopefully. Like, geez. I can understand if it's too much and you have to, like, put them in a special place. Because, you know, some special yeah. needs can be very tough. And But being like, here, let me just pay you to kill my kid. Thanks. Like. I didn't see this movie, so I have no context for this. It's, I it's haven't like either. A horror anthology. It's a horror anthology, but it's all looped in. Like, so you'll get like, you'll get this story, mm-hmm. but you'll bump into other people that appear in another story, and it all happens in the same town on the oh. same night of Halloween. Oh, jeez. And in between, you see Sam, which is the spirit of Hall- of Halloween, uh, Sawin, and everything. But he's like this little kid with the little pumpkin head, and uh, or he has like a sack over his head, but it looks like a pumpkin. And he just like carries around like this little sucker that he takes a bite of and it becomes a shiv. It's freaking cute, but it's also evil. But <sighs> it's it's legit. It's the one film outside of John Carpenter's Halloween. This film embodies Halloween. So yeah. When this bus driver that get that gets it, it reminds me of that movie and it brings a smile to my face because I love this book and I love that movie. And I love that something like this can make me just think of all the other nice little horror themed stuff that i'm all into and support you know yeah the one movie that i really want to watch this halloween is jennifer's body i've never seen it and everyone keeps saying i need to see it that is just on my list i was one of those people that shit on it when it first came out because i was like oh god it's megan fox and i love megan fox going back and going back and looking at that film and what it done and in some of the film analysis things that people have done on it it's like Mm -hmm. oh i never looked at it that way and it's really enlightening you know it's like wow Mm -hmm. megan fox actually did a really good job she actually did her she did her job and you know she's not just a michael bay pretty face actress you know it's you know that Mm -hmm. film and then i think she i think she did something else and it blew my mind of like wow where was this in transformers you know (laughs) and it's like i think honestly most of the time people take like female actresses they're like you're just your role is to be pretty and not say many things and then that's like everyone thinks they can't act when it's really the director is just like an a-hole you know yeah yeah it's kind of like the same thing with kristen stewart you know Mm -hmm. as much as i don't like the twilight films it feels like that woman can't emote anything but the moment i saw her outside of those films and i started seeing her independent films it's like oh god where was this Mm -hmm. where was this and and it's like i don't think people sat there said that bella was as emotionally numb Mm -hmm. as compared to how kristen stewart kind of seemed there wasn't that much of a spectrum of different emotions yeah, it, it, at least in the movies. I haven't read the books. I tried to read the first one. It didn't catch my appeal, mm-hmm. and everything, especially because you know the whole vampire they're trying to kill is named after me. So I'm not so much of a fan of that one. <laughs> but yeah, like other than that, when I see Kristen Stewart working other stuff, it's the same thing with Robert Pattinson. Hated him in Twilight, but when I sat there and saw him and remember me, I was like, wow. And, yeah, that was know. good one. But but there are some people that you know. I used to be one of those people is once you see an actor in a specific role and that's what they're known for, it's like, can you play something else? And sometimes it takes them a couple of years to find that right director and that right yeah. script to where they can play such a range of emotions 
Yeah. And, you know, and it's like, where was this in the big debut? Where mm-hmm. was this? But, you know, not everyone yeah. gets that, you know. And then there are people that just can't act. Yeah, fair. <laughs> there are a few of those out there. I can't. That, you know. I'll, I'll tell you guys that for, for real quick. I took acting classes. It sucked. Oh, I can't do it. I can do it pretty well. I did theater all through school, kindergarten through 12th grade. Let's see, that helps because you had experience. (laughs) Yeah. I, the only thing that I had was a lot of anxiety. And so like, I always got like small roles, but yeah, I mean, can't help when you're doing auditions and you're like, hi, you're not going to get much. (laughs) So I can't really blame anyone but myself there, but. I just shut down when I have to do anything that involves acting and I don't I don't like to be a focus personally. Like I don't yeah. like to be what everybody's watching. It makes me very uncomfortable. So I full on was like, I'm gonna be an actor, it's gonna be great. Meh. You became a writer, so you are partly an actor. Because yeah. we do act out. We act out no matter what. If we're at the keyboard or away from it, mm-hmm. we act it all out. You know, I would totally wonder, like, like, I wonder what's wrong with that guy. <laughs> right. I would totally act if given the chance, but like, I'm not going to go looking for it kind yeah, of thing. No, like well, Aaron Sorkin, I watched a clip on him a couple of weeks ago and he talked about acting and writers and writers need to learn acting classes. So they kind of know what range of field mm-hmm. and all this. And, and he talked about how, like, I think, what was it? I think he was trying to like reenact in a mirror in his bathroom of a um of like a fight like it's supposed to be like someone dead dived right in and he got way too damn into it and he freaking broke the mirror in his nose oh no and it's like oh my god and so like when he left the house and like you know it's like nose is like all kind of bandaged up they're like hey you okay he's like oh yeah like I, like i'm fine he's like i don't really want to tell them that i was acting out a scene in my script <laughs> in the freaking bathroom and broke my nose in the process of doing it and i'm over here it's like for one you gotta have grace to break your own nose <laughs> right near, mirror you know those are those people who go big it's either go big or go home and somehow they did both at the same yeah. time yeah yeah i i make a lot of faces when writing if you see my writing streams i emote a lot <laughs> while like doing certain things i'm like oh how would this be and like i just start making faces i look at with my writing angry <laughs> Yeah, my face looks really bland until I'm like thinking about like like a movement. Then my brain's like I kind of see a little bit of that yeah. when yeah. you do your live streams and it's like, hmm, like this. And I was like, oh, she got something cooking in that brain and everything because like all of a sudden she was like nothing and then it's like, hmm, hmm. And it's like, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Kind of, I kind of wish I could clip. I should have clipped some of those and be like, "Yeah, this is what a writer looks like." And when they get an idea, and they're like, mm, "You know." <laughs> oh, wait, For me, wait, the wait. more deeply, the more deeply invested I am on writing, the higher my knee gets. Because then I'll be like this, like a goblin, just like <laughs> that knee is up high. And <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I just start making all the faces. I've clipped a few from my channel, and I'm like, oh my god, what am I doing? Sometimes I'll, like, mouth the words, too. Or I'll, like, look over, and I'll be like, what face is that? Yeah, right? (laughs) I'm like, what am I doing? Because I have my, my, like, face cam is all the way on my other monitor, so I'll just be, like, typing, 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 and I'll, like, happen to see out of the corner of my eye, and be like, huh. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyways. (laughs) Anyways, though. Soon slot. slot. <laughs> we have to finish this. So, Weasel turns Eva into a vampire. Corey comes for Bonnie. She was very accepting of it, which honestly, with her situation, I don't blame her at all in the slightest. Um, but having Corey whip whip Reggie's ass, where it's all oh, like, yeah. "I'm I'm gonna shoot you." It's like if you move one bit, and it's I'm over here. It's like, is that thing really loaded? And I'm pretty sure he's asking himself. Oh shit! Is this bitch loaded? And I think he did get a shot off, but it yeah, didn't, he, he shot didn't, him. Nothing yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah, he didn't. He didn't get anything. And then like an old like superhero kind of thing, he just like palmed him, and he just fl- flies off. And, yeah, 
Very yeah. good. <laughs> Knocked him the fuck off. And then he closed the door and went after Bonnie and, you know, um, kind of makes you wonder if they would have changed him. Like, obviously, Bonnie would have been changed. It's like, but would they have changed Reggie? I don't think so. I think they would have just treated him like a blood just bank. Him. And, yeah. Yeah. Like, feed on him so much and then feed him some food and everything and just turn him into a huge blood bank. Why not? Yeah. He's big enough to be one. So. Right? Treat him the way that he treated Bonnie, probably. Yep. So, next day, it's steak time. Um... They go to Mark's house and Mark's like, listen, I cannot go inside and don't blame him there. Like that's literally his parents. Yeah. No. Yeah. So Ben goes downstairs to make a whole bunch of steaks. Jimmy's like, okay, I'm going to go and start marking all of the places the vampires are sleeping. So we know where to go, which I'm like, I don't understand why you feel the need to do that. It probably makes more sense for you just to like, stake them when you have the stakes don't know why jimmy's doing that but i feel like you needed a reason to feel useful like waiting around is not really yeah well i think almost everyone at that time they especially with how matt is it's like it's like they they lost susan they're they lost callahan so they've already lost two of their tribe matt is dangling quite literally on the last couple of beats yeah and you still got ben that is still taken out of just you know losing susan so he's he's kind of he's it like he's there but he's not there and mm-hmm. you know matt's still shaken by his parents everyone is so fucked up and cody's the only one that's like i gotta do something you know yeah. and yeah uh also too i think it doesn't really hurt that you know if the vampires know that their hiding location isn't compromised they'll stay mm-hmm. there as long as they can so i think it was a smart thing to oh here's like this map let's x this out x this out and let's just go by because that's what um vincent price and charlton heston did and i mm-hmm. think even will smith did it in those three adaptations of i am legend uh, mm-hmm. was that they had like a map and everything and when they were done you know searching through this whole house like you know there's no more zombie or vampires whatever the film was they would cross that out and they would move on to the next you know um mm-hmm. area which you know for will smith that's even worse because he's in new york city and so you got all them apartments and so i feel like that's what cody was doing was he yeah. was marking all these resting places so it'd been easier if they don't get them all in one day they have mm-hmm. at least a good 50 50 chance that they could still be here from what they haven't yeah. um you know yeah, it makes sense so then uh jimmy and ben trying to figure out if they can actually like, keep this up and keep this going they're like we're gonna be killing people until november um and i think that like really sets in for ben like i think they kind of both thought maybe they could get this all done in one day but that's not gonna happen yeah ain't no way the reality is all sitting in on them. Mm-hmm. At, at best, they'll they'll get the death sentence. I think that was mentioned in the book that they're talking about, like like the moment that the police discover what the fuck we're doing. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna get the death sentence. Like there is no if ands or buts about it. Uh, yeah, and Mark will probably get sent to an asylum because of how young he is and poor kid. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, so Ben starts spending all day making steaks, trying to like get them prepped and uh they decide because it's the middle of the day when they get to rory and the kid like the little the baby vampire's house they're like okay what if we just pull roy out and see what happens because they're like will he light on fire will this solve our problem for us that we don't have to stake anybody but it just kind of seems like make him angry and not like seems to be like, like burning but it doesn't kill yeah, him yeah it it's there there's a what is it like they were playing with the concept of what the films because nosferatu was the one that introduced the whole vampires are killed by sunlight all the other mm-hmm. vampire books at that time they were able to walk out well not so much camilla but where she was at was mostly an overcast so that's why she could come out during the day 
but um yeah they were testing movie knowledge of well yeah do they burn up do they just die and it yeah it pissed them off but at the same time it showed that it did do damage I think if one was able to sit there and slam the door shut while the other one was still dragging it out and they were burning, they probably, he probably would have died. You know, if they could have kept him away from the shadows, he probably would have died and would have burned. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Get them yeah. far enough away, far enough into the sun that they can't really get back out. Yeah. But they just didn't really have that option. You know, it was just testing a theory out and mm -hmm. the theory stuck with it's like, oh, well, this is one way of getting rid of them. Yeah. So um, Jimmy then realizes, oh, I think Barlow is with a pool table. I don't think he's out of school. I think he's somewhere that has a pool table. So with that in mind, they know there's no like pool yards. But they do know that Eva Miller has a pool table in her cellar. <laughs> so Jimmy calls over there. No answer. And he's like, okay, I guess we should probably just go over there. And I'm like, Ugh. while this is all happening, Matt has another heart attack. He's gone. He's out of the story, which made me very upset. Yeah. I know. that He just, he just died on his back. Yeah. You know? But yeah. again, as old as he was and the shit that he went through, any other normal old person, they'd have died a lot sooner in the book. Yeah. And it's honestly just emotionally exhausting for Matt, too. Yeah. So he's never handled sense. this before. This is the most action he's probably ever had in his life. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Jimmy decides to go in the cellar while. Um, Mike is, or not Mike, Mark is getting a um, flashlight and they took the stairs out of the cellar. Yes. And also replaced the flooring with like a bunch of knives. So Jimmy fell and fell to his death on top of a bunch of knives. Mark got stuck down there too, but like has to climb up with a board that he finds to get out of mm -hmm. there to then warn Ben about this entire situation. And like, I just feel so bad for Mark. Like this kid is going through it right now and it's awful. It's yeah. like he was with Susan. Well, first we even go way back with the Glick boys. They went to go see him and they died. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then he's here with Susan to try to stop Barlow and Straker. And Susan yeah. dies. And then his parents die, mm -hmm. along with Callahan, to a certain extent, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then, and then now he lo loses Cody. Which, to me, I was like, I was like, who would have thought that would have happened? You know, that yeah. these vampires were that crafty, they legit took the stairs away. You yeah. know, kind of like a throwback to Edna and Eddie when Big Ed got grounded. And, you know, they're going to try to go upstairs and they're all like, they're like, where's your stairs at, Ed? He's like, my parents took them away because I'm grounded. And that's like, wow, that's pretty extreme. And so oh I looked at this as, wow, that's pretty extreme. They took the knives that were hanging in Eva Miller's kitchen and they, what was it? Did they did they just force them through the wood? Yeah, they first forced them through the wood and took all the handles off. Yeah, and then Cody yeah. just falls so you're having shock along with whatever artery got busted. Yeah, that's awful. That's a lot yeah. for Mark to take in. And then also too for Mark to feel bad because he wasn't quick enough to like grab the flashlight before Cody could have easily have gone there. But Matt, he, and he also, also saw all the knives being missing and just didn't yes. think anything of it. Like yeah. and you wouldn't, you wouldn't assume, you know, that yeah. oh all the knives are missing that must be a trap like you'd be like oh all the knives are missing maybe they're doing dishes or something because it's a b and b you know yeah. yeah it's not a place that you would immediately expect something was weird yeah but this whole time that poor kid is just beating the living shit out of himself and it's yeah. like you just want to give him a hug you mm -hmm. just want to mm -hmm. give this kid a hug. it's like it's not your fault that cody got so fucking excited that he went down there and, you know, though, of course, like we're hunting vampires and you were going to go down into the dark into a yeah. cellar. 
to period. Yeah. That was already jumping the gun to begin with. He was so eager of, oh my God, we're going to find him and we're going to beat him right before sundown. And that's all what the race has been now till this day for the rest of the book. It's that race to sundown and, mm-hmm. you know. And the stress of the fact that you keep getting the time noted to you. So they're counting down. Yes. Like the time I'm like, Ugh. Like I think yeah. right next to, right next to the scene in which Matt has, um, Oh my god, I forgot his name. The one that popped up at the at the bar drunk. Mike. Um, Mike. Mike Mike Ryerson, where, you know, it's like, okay, he's sick and everything. And then you kind of go through maybe not as much of a timestamp, but it's the suspense and thrills mm-hmm. added up to mm-hmm. okay, maybe Matt made a terrible mistake of bringing Mike here. And then the giggles and the hearing the sound of the suck the suckling from the next room <sighs> over. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, oh my God, there's a dead man in my house. The police in the corner take him away. Only for that next night, that body pops up yet again. That was so stressful and so mm-hmm. anxiety inducing. And then when you look at this, King just turned that scene up a notch by adding all those timestamps. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's then like, I need they- a smoke. <laughs> and then they made Mark have to drive because, like, how is he going to get back to bed in time? Yeah, you know the son has like less than an hour. He can't like run to the hospital. Yeah, so yeah. he's like, I guess I have to drive. And he goes, Oh my god, I can't drive. And he's like, herky jerky, trying to get this car to the hospital or to no to uh, his parents' house. You know, um, and. So he gets to back to his parents' house and Ben comes out and he's like, why are you driving? And he goes, yeah, Jimmy's dead. So he calls the hospital and they're like, hey, Matt is also dead. So then they're like, okay, we need to get the sheriff. We need another person on our like team. So they go to the sheriff and the sheriff's like, I'm leaving town. I know it's vampires. I don't care. I'm getting out of here. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck like he, he he's the most laziest sheriff because it's all like you know yeah. i've already had my fill of excitement because mm-hmm. if you really think about it his whole attitude when he handles certain situations it's usually he doesn't handle anything like this so he's been trying to keep his cool yeah and as we prolong more bodies die the more he's being called to investigate <laughs> and then have the coroner ship it off mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure in his head it's like what the fuck is going on yeah you know? yeah and even and even though ben checks out and ben's not the enemy mm-hmm. and i think he kind of believes in himself ben's not the enemy but you know what him showing up along with barlow and straker there is something fishy coming along and then when the other sheriff is like i know you're lying to me and then bam what happened to that sheriff he got you know fed on by susan and barlow yeah um you know that to me you know sheriff gillespie was just like to us the readers it's all like he saved his ass and ran mm-hmm. to not wind up like the other sheriff that was found in the trunk of his car yeah and it's like you know what it's like i'm not equipped for this i was equipped to handle a small quiet town where you would probably get the occasional heart attack from some elderly person who, who just died of natural causes or maybe some type of drunken dispute at a bar that's yeah. probably all he ever signed up for he was not he was not expecting the shit that happened here is probably like a day-to-day job for a cop in the city you know yeah. where there are so many calls on accidents and fights and deaths and all this other stuff he just Isn't wasn't he like for it. older too yes he he's got to be maybe somewhere in his 50s his late 50s because the young guy is maybe about in his 30s the one that that stuck the one that's that got bit the previous day which we'll, we'll we'll find out you know it's like yeah i know it's vampires my, my deputy hasn't phoned in whatsoever he phoned in sick mm-hmm. a couple of days ago so it even showed that you know even barlow got to the police you know yeah. but this police i think there was like only a sheriff and a, and a constable that was it they did yeah. not have a huge it was a very very small um I'm pretty sure they don't even have a police station. I'm pretty sure they have some little office in some little government building yeah, and everything. Cause my hometown, we didn't have a sheriff station, but we do have a sheriff station there. 
and it's like right next or no it's right into a bank so it's like government building little office for so that's pretty much what salem's lot is yeah it's you know it's a very very small town you know, a lot of towns really in maine don't even have police yeah because we were talking about this the other day where you were telling Insane. us about the fire station and all that where you know some of that stuff it's all volunteer work so that's yeah. exactly what this town is like um my hometown does not have police presence at all they have border patrol which can if need be act as it in like an emergency but most of the time they don't mm-hmm. or the county has the sheriff's department that will patrol yeah but that's that's it like Wild, if you need so- the the, the deputy, you sometimes have to wait an hour and a half for them to come up from where they're based. Yeah. So, That's insane. Yeah, so some places don't even have it, so. I mean, the nice part about that is if you speed through town, it's kind of like, eh, who's going to be here? Knowing your luck, though, he'd be right behind the billboard and get right here. All that Literally, no, I have the worst luck in the world. <laughs> we have a, when you're going into this town, you go up like a hill and then you go down because it's like in a valley. When you get to the top of the hill, there's a trading post there, like a just souvenir shop. And for decades, they have had like an old police car out front. And the amount of people that, that are coming into town, never seen this before, that just uh, suddenly are doing the speed limit. <laughs> It's Amazing. hilarious. <laughs> so when, when the speedometers won't slow it down, because most of them look at it like, "Oh, I wonder if I can beat my high score." No, you just set out an old police cruiser right there. That'll slow them down. And then oh yeah, and oh yeah. You'll never see me hit my brakes harder than when I catch a cop. To to oh. quote Grandma Tarkin, "Fear will keep them in line." <laughs> Half the time, I feel like that's what they do. They just sit along the highway, and it's like everyone slows way down, and it's like. People like the cops here don't fuck around with, and it was like that town has no cops. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. <laughs> so Ben is like, okay, we're gonna have to go kill Barlow ourselves. Mark, you gotta come with me. And I'm like, this poor kid, like he's just being dragged along everywhere. He needs so, a juice box and some nap time. Yeah, really. I though. need a juice box and some nap time. <laughs> Big same. Big like, same. I can't. He needs like four juice boxes and nap time. He needs therapy. <laughs> Lots of therapy. <laughs> so they go back in the cellar. They find Jimmy's body, definitely dead. Um, ben tells Mark he loves him for some weird reason. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, so there's a reason. Okay. Okay, so I don't think he really got the chance to sit there and really say it too much to his wife. He didn't get to sit there and say the goodbye. Mm hmm. And everything. So he didn't ever really get to sit there and tell her, I love you again, or whatsoever. This is from my understating, and this is kind of like partially out of book and yeah. everything. But the thing with Susan, he never told Susan he loved her. Never told okay. her that. But yeah. he did love her. He loved her, but he never said that. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of the book, when they mention Ben and Mark in Mexico, and there's the line, the boy that Ben will soon come to love. And everything, mm-hmm. and that's supposed to solidify that one of Ben's, and it's kind of out there. It's it's not as tight to the story as possible because you know most stories, you always had some type of, you know, lesson learned. And I mean, mm-hmm. you don't really mm-hmm. get that in this book. This book does not really have. If it does, I I've completely missed it, and I've read this book three times. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing is, it's that Ben, in a time <laughs> of fear and panic and stress has found a way to love someone and that is to love Mark unconditionally mm-hmm. and everything that he could sit there and he could tell the boy, I love you and generally mean it. And that's kind of why it always sit there seems like in the prologue. And then even at this part of the book where it's like, it went from just this kid and a writer to being a father and son relationship, mm-hmm. yeah. a very surrogate father and son relationship, especially because the boy never felt like his dad could believe him. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, all this monster stuff. No, no one's ever going to believe. And I mean, so there kind of feels like I'm sure the father loves his son, but it's not outright spoken. And yeah. so this is kind of like this is what both both of them needed. That assurance 
that I mm-hmm. love you, I care about you, and that's how we're gonna fucking beat this motherfucker. That's, yeah. that's my interpretation of the reason why that kind of sticks out so much. That most people look at it like, oh, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. It's because Ben never got to tell his wife before she died that he loved him. Never told Susan he loved that. That's a void right there that he can never fill. Yeah. So in order to kind yeah. of write this this history of repeat, you know, repeating and everything, he figured if I love this boy unconditionally, this boy will live. Mm-hmm. You know, that makes sense. everyone else died on me. This boy will live, and that's you know, that's what happened. Yeah, that's what I got out of it was, you know, he hasn't really had the time, you know, he lost his wife tragically. Susan came to and it's like, okay, we're about to go into this. We're taking this minute. I'm letting you know. Mm -hmm. Like, I I have I have to write this. I have to write this because I thought I was going to write it with Susan and I still fucked up. Yeah. You know, I'm taking this moment to make sure I do not miss it. I get this chance that if anything happens, I've gotten to say goodbye and that you know I care for you, that I love you. Never really expect this in a vampire book, let alone from a Stephen King book. You, you always learn something interesting from King, you mm-hmm. know, but this right here, this one is a cherry on top. I also know. feel like there's that trope where it's like, tell it to me after we survive. And it's like, no, just like say it now, just in yeah. case. Yeah, I mean, my family grew up always, like, even if you're mad at each other, you say, like, and you have to leave, you say you love each other. Like, doesn't matter what, because Mm -hmm. you never know what's going to happen, and you don't want the last thing you said to be bad. Even if you're, like, so pissed at each other, you could, like, rip each other's heads off, you still say it. That's why I like sitcoms, when that couple are arguing, and it's always that one person's like, I love you, and then storms right on off. They, they're mad but it's like i want to yeah. make sure that's the last thing you heard from me bam and like yeah 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 absolutely so then we got barlow surrounded by a bunch of other vampire bodies very fun very spicy um he's the only one that gets his own coffin though everybody else gets the floor so there's that well of well, course he he's gotta have so they the didn't. style <laughs> Yeah, he's got to have the vibe. He's got to fit the stereotype. Mm-hmm. Um, so they bring the coffin out of this tiny crawl space. And they're like, all right, we're going to kill Barlow. It's going to happen. But when they open it, Barlow looks directly at Mark and like takes him over, basically, and hypnotizes him and trying to get Mark to shoot Ben. So... Ben has to knock Mark out and he kills Barlow. Thank God. Um, All of it's like kind of happening really fast. And then it's all stressful. It's like, damn it, kid. (laughs) But as soon as like Barlow's dead, all the other vampires wake up. So Ben grabs Mark, gets them out of there, like shoves him up. He's like, get out of here. We have to go. And uh, Ben Mark passes out. Ben drives him out of town. While well, on chapter 15, Ben and Mark, he, uh, they drive back into town. Oh, Mark, uh, sorry. Ben drives back into town. He leaves Mark at a hotel. He buries Jimmy. He buries Mark's parents. Um, town decimated. Town very dead. Then we're on to the epilogue. So it's a bunch of newspaper clippings, like to start us off. And I really like that this is how they did it. But you can see like over time that like anybody that encounters Salem's lot is getting like is turns up missing. Like never mm-hmm. to be seen yeah. again. So they're hopping from motel to motel and then they go back to Salem's lot after like it seems like a couple years maybe. It was a- it was after he wrote the book on it. Because okay. a- as he's collecting all these notes, he's writing things afterwards. Mm-hmm. And he went he sent it to the publisher. Mm-hmm. that that was going to take it and then him and mark set off for salem's lot once more yeah and okay light the entire town on fire which is reminiscent to the 50s fire which is why fire has always been a reoccurring element in this book yeah yeah i love it yeah this book, it's a very it, it's very a very good. beautiful way how they 
you know, wrap it up. Though I don't think that any of the vampires that were in Salem's Lot at that time be- before they left and everything are like still mm-hmm. there. But the fact that, you know, they wanted to make sure, you know, let's at least exterminate the biggest nest we know. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's, and, and we'll just sit there and see where that goes. But um, there's a sequel to this. There is a sequel if you if you have the Stephen King Night Shift, the end mm-hmm. of the road, which is the final story in that short story collection. Like, I don't know what's the year date that happens, but like what you sat there and said, anyone that goes across Jerusalem's lot always seems to go missing. And this story mm-hmm. talks about that, where it's like a town over, and um, there was like this one family that. I think they drove through Jerusalem's lot. Mm -hmm. And I think there's like something wrong with the guy's wife and kid. I guess they got bit. And to not spoil the rest of it, though, it takes place in winter. So there's like this, the the snow and everything. And it's mixed with vampires. And uh, someone actually did adapt it on YouTube. They adapted it because at one point it was part of the Dollar Babies. And so they, 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 they brought this short story to life and the acting's okay. I'm not, I'm not a fan of it, but I, I like that Stephen King wrote essentially a prequel and a sequel to this book. This is one of my favorite mm-hmm. King books. It was very good. I definitely really liked it. Yeah. But thank you all for listening. Where can the people of the internet find you Nova? Um, you can find me pretty much anywhere at Novasaurus Rex two X's, and that'll link pretty much to everything. All the things, yeah, nice. All the things. James, where can the people of the internet find you and your stuff? You can find me uh, on Twitch at the Gothic Storyteller, as well as most of my other socials that have Gothic Storyteller in it, and Twitter, the Gothic Wafer. And we will catch you all in the next chapter. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Barely Bookish Podcast. If you want to find me, I am at Barely Bookish on literally everything. Next week, we are going to be continuing on with the movie version of Salem's Lot. So make sure that you watch the miniseries, the 1994, I believe it is. No, it's 1974? 74? Anyways, the miniseries. Watch that. And we'll talk about it. But I'll catch you all in the next episode. Our logo is designed by my little sibling, Sarah. Our theme song is by Raphael Crux. And I'll see you all in the next episode. Bye!